0: reading this morning is uh, from Psalm 18. We're going to read the first uh, six verses of Psalm 18. It's page 551 in your pew Bibles, page 551. The first six verses of Psalm 18. Psalm 18. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help from His temple. He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Amen. You'll, you'll notice that this psalm of David actually begins before verse 1. So the title and the number, Psalm 18, are not in the original Hebrew, the weren't written by David, not breathed out by the Spirit of God. But the wee bit of text between Psalm 18 and verse 1 is in the original Hebrew, was written by David, and has been breathed out by the Spirit of God. And it's in that piece of text that we discover how David sees himself. He is... Servant of the Lord, before he is King of Israel or Slayer of Goliath or Son of Jesse or any other title, before he is any of these things, he is first and foremost Servant of the Lord. And we saw exactly the same thing, didn't we, last year? all the way back in 2018 when we started our series in James. He has so many great and grand titles he could take to himself. James the Apostle. James uh, the Leader of the Church in Jerusalem. James the Brother of Jesus. But before he is any of these things, he is first and foremost a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and that, that presents to us a question. How do I see myself? How do you see yourself? You will have a number of titles that you could take. I, I am husband of Deborah. I am father of Katie and Grace and pastor of Airdrie Baptist Church, all these titles, all these different hats that we wear, but how do we see ourselves first and foremost? What comes above and beyond all of the other titles, all of the other roles, all of the other responsibilities and privileges? Do we see ourselves first and foremost as servants of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. How we see ourselves determines how we set our priorities. This is a time of year for that, isn't it? The setting of goals, of priorities. And how we see ourselves, whether we see ourselves as servants or not, will work its way in to the prayers that we pray and to the lives that we live. If our purpose is to follow Jesus, then we ought to remember the one we follow is the one who saw fit to humble himself and to serve others. And if we see ourselves as servants, that will change the way we think, the way we pray, the way we live. It will free us to be able to love and to serve others as we are called to in Christ. David tells us that the occasion of writing this psalm, this song, was his deliverance from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. I was very challenged when I read that. It's very striking to see that David doesn't see Saul as one of his enemies. His deliverance from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. That's that's amazing that, that David would not count Saul as one of his enemies. Saul was a king who clung to power even when God had chosen and anointed David as king. Saul was the man who betrayed David in such a despicable way. Saul was the one who hunted David down like a wild animal to have him killed. And still David refused to regard Saul as his enemy. Still David honored and loved Saul. And we are free in Christ to live like that, to honor and to love those who hate us. Or to put it in the words of Jesus himself, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us that we may be children of our Father in heaven. We cannot do that if we are proud people. But we can do that if we live as servants of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But actually, truth be told, all of this is another sermon for another day. Because I want this morning not so much to focus on what David sees as he looks at himself, as he looks in the mirror, as what David sees as he looks to the heavens, as he looks to his God. In the first few verses of this psalm, David gives nine titles to his God, and all of them start with my, my God, my rock, my refuge, my salvation, my stronghold, and so on. And it's important that we notice that this isn't just theory for David. it's, It's not theology removed from his life. It's not, I believe that God is sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient. All of these statements are true. All of these statements are good. All of these statements are important. But this is who God is in relation... To David, it's not enough to have a, a list of correct doctrines stored away somewhere in our minds. That's not enough. I love doctrine about God, who He is, what He's done. But Christianity insists that we go beyond that to who God is to me. This is about relationship, and Christianity, fundamentally, is about our relationship with God. We need the doctrine. We need to be able to say God is like this and not like that. But Christianity insists that we go beyond that to who God is in relation to us. And that's what David is doing in the first few verses of Psalm 18. He is telling us who God is in relation to him. So who is God to David? Firstly, he is his strength and salvation. His strength and salvation. David is in many ways a strong man. He is a winner, a fighter. Even as a boy, he fought and killed lion and bear protecting his sheep. He is the one who stepped up and stood out to face the foe, the giant that was Goliath and to bring him down. But sometimes even the strongest are not strong enough. The cords of death, verse 4, entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. David has the wisdom and the humility to cry out to God for help. Verse 6, in my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. How many live and die too proud, too defiant to call out, to cry out to God for help? Too proud, too defiant to admit that they need help, that they need rescuing, that they need saving from something too strong for them to beat, not David. If you look at verse uh, 17, you'll see that David realized, David recognized that his enemy, his foes were too strong for him. But he also realized, he also recognized that his God was too strong for them. I know we're really focusing in on the first, uh, well, verses 1 through to 6. But if you glance at verses 7 to 19, don't those verses paint a powerful picture of this God who saves? You'll see verses 7 to 15, God coming down to defeat David's enemies. And then verses 16 to 19, God dealing with David in love. And God has heard our cry and dealt with our greatest enemies in Christ Jesus. Look at the phrase that David uses in verse 9. He parted the heavens and came down. Well, that's been what we've been celebrating over the past month or so, isn't it? That's what we've been rejoicing in, that God in love parted the heavens and came down. In Christ, to seek and to save that which was lost. You shall give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He raged against the things that held us in slavery, that bound us in sin, and that destined us to die. He raged against them. So he parted the heavens and came down. For us who are in Christ, Jesus dealt a death blow to our greatest enemy, ultimately on the cross of Christ. Paul says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. David speaks of his God shooting arrows which scatter his enemies far and wide. Well, here is the arrow that pierced the power of sin, that brought down death, the cross of Christ. But that's not all. He doesn't just defeat our enemies and leave us as free men and women. No, He defeats them, and then He brings us in to His family, to His flock, and to His folds. He takes hold of us and brings us into a better place. He delights in us. And we in Him. David says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. The Lord brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. And in Christ, we know that our God delights in us, as unworthy as we are. He delights in us as his children. We are dearly loved in Christ. How thankful we should be that he reached down from on high to take hold of us. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then remember and rejoice that love has lifted you and He will never let you go. The Lord is David's, firstly, strength and salvation, and secondly, His shield and shelter, a stronghold in which to shelter, and a shield which protects. The war is won in Christ, but until Christ comes again for His bride, there are battles which continue to rage on. Satan is still active lying, accusing, misleading, but we have a shelter and a shield in the Lord. As we look to our Lord, trusting in Him, we have nothing to fear because we know that Satan cannot separate us from the love of God which is eternally ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever accusations, whatever lies are leveled against you, find your shelter in Him, in the God of truth, and in that love which endures forever. He is our shield and our shelter. He is our rock on which to stand. If we are standing, if we are building our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, on obedience to Him, then we need not fear that the ground will one day give way beneath our feet. He is that solid rock on which to stand. As we trust and obey Him, we will be, in the words of Jesus, like the builder who builds His house on the rock. The rain may come down, the streams may rise, the wind may blow and beat against that house, but it will not fall because its foundation is on the rock. And many people, how grieved we should be about this, but many people in our streets are building their lives on the sand, trying not to think about it, trying not to face the fact that one day everything that they are building will come crashing to the ground. No matter how big their lives look, how uh, great, how resplendent, how impressive, one day it will all come crashing down. There's no need for us to do that, no need for us to live like that, to build our lives like that. There is a solid rock on which to stand, on which to build. There is security. There is safety. There is Peace, and it's all to be found in Christ. I told you the story before of my ill-advised walk on a frozen pond in a park in Govan. Uh, I won't recount the whole story, but there's, a, there's a, a slab of concrete in the middle of this pond, a kind of statue uh, going up from that slab of concrete. There was no one in the park, freezing cold, and I thought, I think I could walk across the ice and get to that wee slab in the middle. Uh, And and so off I went, and it was all very good, all very positive uh, for the first few steps. Well, actually, quite a few steps. I got to roughly the middle of the pond. No idea how deep this pond is. And I wish I could show you a video, because if I was to, to... To describe it to you, you wouldn't believe me. If I was to show you the video, you would probably think it was, um, you know, I'd sent it off to Hollywood and they'd worked their CGI magic on it because it was like a cartoon. Suddenly just one step out of the blue, all of the ice started to crack and you could actually, not only did you hear it, but you could see these cracks going off in every direction. So there's not a safe route out and I'm standing in the middle of this sheet of ice just waiting for it to give way and for me to fall into the freezing cold water. And I'm thinking it's a long way back to Airdrie by public transport, freezing cold, uh, having fallen in to this point. Uh, Happily, by the grace of God, I managed to get to the very end before the ice really did give way and I had to go home from Govan to Airdrie with nothing more than one wet foot. It could have been an awful lot worse. But I remember the feeling. I remember the fear. Every step, thinking maybe this will be the step, maybe this will be the moment where the ground gives way and we'll all go horribly wrong. And that is the picture of the lives that people are living when they are building their lives on something other than the solid Rock of Christ Jesus and obedience to Him. There's no need to live your life like that because God has come down in love. God has come down in Christ and God has conquered in Christ sin and death and hell and offers to make this victory His victory, our victory, through simple, childlike faith, and trust in Jesus. His strength and salvation, his shield and shelter, and lastly, his story and song. There were a lot of stories that David could tell. There were a lot of songs that he could sing. David could have spent his time speaking about how hard his life had been, how unfairly treated he had been uh, by Saul, his friend and king, the man he had loved and served so selflessly, only to be betrayed and to be attacked. He could have talked about Absalom, his son, his own son, his own flesh and blood, who turned against him and tried to take both his throne and his life. I mean, that is a tough life when your boss, your friend, and your son all want you dead. That's not an easy life to live. It cannot have felt easy, and neither can it have felt fair. Fair. And that's sometimes what we struggle with most, when life feels unfair. He could have spoken about that. He could have spoken about the pressures that he faced as king. It must have been very lonely at times. Not an easy life. Or he could have told the story of his rags-to-riches tale of triumph, He could have written a book about how, as a young boy, he killed wild animals and took down the great Goliath. But instead, he used his tongue and his pen to tell a greater story, to give his God all of the glory. David could have written, like, back and handle. S.D.G. at the end of this psalm, couldn't he? He gave his God all the glory. That was his story and his song. So I ask myself, what story am I intent on telling? What story are you intent on telling with your tongue? with your pain, or with your life. A tale of woe, how hard and how unfair your life has been. A tale of pride, how successful you have managed to be and how good you are. Or a greater story of the goodness and the grace of your God. tongue speaks what the heart is full of. May our hearts be full of Jesus and full of passion for the glory of our great God, the one who parted the heavens to come down for us. May our hearts be full of him this new year and always. Amen.